in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. And I've got a preach this morning which I'm uh, feeling that God wants to just break some chains this morning. And so it was interesting that our worship is around breaking of chains but actually, do you know anything or nothing that I say to you this morning will have any difference unless the power of the name of Jesus is at work? Because I can uh, tell you the most fluent and uh, attractive sermon that will win and woo your hearts. I don't think I'm going to do that, but I could. <laughs> I, I wish. You know, I could do that this morning, but actually it will make not one jot of difference unless this morning we rely upon the authority of that one name over principalities and powers because our battle is not against flesh and blood. And do you know that also means that our battle, when we, it talks about it not being against flesh and blood and we tend to think about the battle out there, but when that passage says our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's talking about our own flesh and blood too. Because when we recognize that there are things in our life where we need breakthrough, we can somehow feel that we have got to do a bit more self-flagellation, a bit more discipline. No. Do you know what? Your warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. And there's only one thing that works against that. And that's the name of Jesus. So we're going to pray. And then I want us to look at something which I believe can be a curse for us. It can be a curse for anybody, but it can also be a curse for the Christian. And that's the curse of comparison. So that's what I want to look at this morning. But before we look at that, let us pray. In the name of Jesus, that chains will be broken. Lord Jesus, we declare we believe it. We declare that we believe that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ against principalities and powers. And that our battle is not against the flesh, but it is against principalities and powers that are unseen. It is against our enemy who is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And yet we do not need to stand in fear about that this morning because there is a name that is more powerful and it is a name that now belongs to us for we belong to him. It is the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that you would come in authority and break the power of the enemy where it exists in our own lives and in the lives of others. We pray Lord Jesus, that you would open the eyes of our hearts. We pray that we would be malleable in your hands this morning. But more than even that, we claim the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ this morning to do his sovereign work, to work what is pleasing to him in us. Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, come do it, we pray. Amen. I'm going to read just a small passage from Luke chapter 18, and then we're, we're going to duck around a little bit today. 
So uh, there isn't a PowerPoint today. Oh, well, there, is, there are some, um, some words that will come up, but we haven't got a PowerPoint of the scriptures today because we're dotting around a bit. So Luke chapter 18. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've looked back over this last week or so in my own life and identified times when I have fallen prey to the temptation of comparison. And what I mean by that is those times in my life, and they still happen, when I can so easily compare myself with someone else or with others generally. There's a, a great sketch that I was going to show you this morning, but I wasn't quite sure about the copyright thing, and I had a bit of a conscience pang about it, so I didn't bring it. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's uh, a very old sketch from the 1960s, and it has, uh, it has three guys in it, one who's very tall. What's his name? John Cleese. And then it has a guy called Ronnie Barker, who's a bit shorter, and a really small guy called Ronnie Corbett. And it's called The Class Sketch. And some of you are nodding, some of you know it. And these three guys who are, you know, so the one's tall, one's middle-sized, one's short. And they represent the different classes. And so the tall guy says, I am upper class. I look down on them. And then the middle guy says, I'm middle class. I look up to him, but I look down on him. And then the little one says, I'm working class. I know my place. And at the, end, they, at the end of the sketch, they ask the question, so what do we get from this? And the tall guy says, the, the upper class guy says, I get a feeling of superiority over them. And then the middle guy says, I get a feeling of inferiority against him, but a feeling of superiority against him. And the little guy says, and I get a pain in the back of my neck. Because <laughs> all he's doing is always looking up. And do you know, I think that comparison can be absolutely crippling to us. Let me tell you some of the emotions that, it has risen, that I think have raised in me when I've considered times in my life when I've compared myself. Dissatisfaction. Discontent. Resentment. Jealousy, nervous fear, self-justification, worthlessness, hopelessness, unproductivity, feelings of superiority, a judgmental attitude, condescension, 
You can sum all of those things up, really, with two words, I think. When you compare yourself or we compare ourselves with others, there's either pride... Actually, I'm doing a bit better than that. There's either pride or there's a sense of inferiority and condemnation. Why aren't I there? Why, how come he's younger than me and he's there and I'm still here? And what that can do is it can cripple you. It can cripple us when we give in to, the, to, to, to comparison. But Jesus came to heal the crippled and he came to bring life in its fullness and to make us free indeed. Now, I don't know about you, I love all of the parts of Scripture that talk about things like freedom and that talk about where I stand in Christ and that talk about the extent of his love for me. I love all of those. And sometimes I've, I've felt occasionally when I've talked to other people that there's been a sense of, well, yeah, no, those, those are great truths, but you've just got to be careful not to be self-indulgent. You know, the Christian faith isn't just about you feeling good. It's not just about you feeling free from stuff that's, that's binding you up. It's not just about you feeling great. It's about, it's about what God's calling you to do. It's about prayer. It's about, it's about lots of other things. It's not just about that. Don't be self-indulgent. Do you know what? Unless we are self-indulgent in terms of what God's promises are for us, we will never be free enough to be of any earthly use to him. Because otherwise, we will be bound up. And so actually, when he does stuff in us to free us from things that are binding us up and making us miserable, and when we spend time pursuing being free from those things... It isn't just self-indulgent. It brings more glory to him. And that's what it's really about. And that's what he's about. He's about the glory of his name. And actually, if I am bound up with stuff that prevents me from worship, that prevents me from displaying the glory of God in my own life, then it's not just that I'm failing to be self-indulgent. I'm actually robbing him of his glory. So don't ever think that when we talk about you being free, this is just about your self-indulgence, about you feeling good and feeling better, because it's not just about that. He does love you, and he does want you to be free of all that stuff, and he does want you to walk in freedom because of the extent of his love, but he wants something more than that. He wants something more than that, and that is that his name will be glorified. So if he releases us from stuff that binds us up and brings us into freedom, it's not just to make us feel better. It's because his name will be more glorified if we are. So let me just preface what we're going to talk about today by that. Don't feel this is just all self-indulgent. Again, more stuff about me getting better. No, it is about that because he loves you. But it's also about the glory of his name. And that's what it's primarily about. So comparison, I've said, can be crippling in many ways, but I do think the Bible provides some antidotes to the temptation of giving ourselves and giving our thoughts rein to comparison and comparing ourselves with others. 
So let's look at a few antidotes to comparison. The first one, I think, is faith. Faith. There's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Judges about a guy called Gideon. And the people of Israel are being molested and attacked by the Midianites. And then God comes and speaks to Gideon. And Gideon is hiding at the time. And it says in Judges chapter 6, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Uh, Pardon me, my Lord. It's a great phrase. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. There you go. Comparison. Comparison. The antidote to Gideon's comparison with others and feeling inferior is faith. How does faith come? Well, the New Testament tells us faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Faith for Gideon comes when he hears God say, mighty man of valor, I'm with you. Faith stirs in him when he hears. One of the antidotes to either pride or inferiority when you compare yourself with others is faith. Faith to believe what you hear he says about you. The Apostle Paul was a man who was full of faith. And he says this, I say to everyone among you not to think of themselves more highly than they ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, what Paul is saying there is that it's okay for you to look at yourself with sober judgment. In fact, you should. I can tell you one thing about myself. I think it is highly unlikely that I will ever lead a church. I think it's very unlikely. I look at myself with sober judgment, and I think, yeah, I think you've given me that, Lord, and I think there's that, thank you for that, and there's that gracious gift. I'm not sure I've got that one. Or that one. I'm, what I'm doing there is I'm exercising faith about what he has said to me, about what he has given me, but I'm also looking at myself with some sober judgment. That doesn't destroy me because I have faith about what he has said about me. And that's enough. Faith is an antidote to comparison. It allows you to be honest with yourself and look at yourself with some sober judgment because it's okay that you're not going to do that because he said to you, you go and do that and I'll be with you. And that's enough. Faith is an antidote to the curse of comparison. Let's look at another one. So faith, 
Forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. That seems a little bit of an odd one, doesn't it? And last week, we were being encouraged by Steve to remember. Last week, Steve was talking to us about remembering when God has acted on our behalf in the past. And now I'm telling you to do some forgetting. And this is forgetting of a different kind. So let's look at this for a moment. And once again, it's Paul, and this is what he says. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ. Paul chose to forget his reasons for feeling inadequate. And actually, when you read Paul, you'd think to yourself, well, this doesn't seem like a guy who struggles with inadequacy. But actually, do you know, I think he did. I think he did. Listen to this. When he's talking to the, to the church in Corinth, he says, they're talking about Jesus, coming when he was raised from the dead, he says, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, Paul did feel inadequate. Paul had moments of of both emotions. He had moments of feeling inadequate and he had other moments when he knew he was in danger of, of pride when he compared himself with others. There's another passage where he, he says, I was, I was the Jew of Jews. I knew the Lord better than anybody. Born in the house of David, I was this, that, and the other. But I consider it all a loss now. See, for him, what Paul had as his antidote to comparison and the pride or the inferiority that can come from comparison was forgetting. Choosing to forget. I will forget all of that. I will forget the way I messed it up 20 years ago in my life. I will choose to forget that. Paul says, I will forget that I was the one who persecuted the church. That I was the one who stood by and watched Stephen being stoned and approved of it. I will forget that. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget also the fact that I was the Jew of Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees, that I knew the law better than anyone else. I'm choosing to forget that and to strain onwards for what he's called me for. An antidote for comparison is to forget. Why are you allowed to do that? Is that just not, you know, burying your head in the sand? Not facing up to your sin? Well, if you've confessed your sin... That's gone. He's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you. And you know what? There's a great model for forgetting. And it comes from God himself who says, your sins I will remember no more. There is a precedent, precedent for us and for Paul of forgetting. You're allowed to forget. You are allowed to forget what happened 10 years ago what you did. You are allowed to forget what you did 
yesterday if you brought it to the cross. You are allowed. In fact, you are, in a way, commanded to do it, to forget it and to press on so that the sins of the past do not hold you captive any longer. And when you look at yourself and compare yourself with someone else, to put that behind you and to forget the past and to strain onwards, to press on towards the goal for which God in Christ has called you heavenward. Do you want an antidote to the pride or the inadequacy that can come when you compare yourself with others? One of the antidotes is to forget and to press on. Forget. Here's another antidote for comparison. John 21. And we pick up the story right at the end of John's Gospel. And this comes just at the point when Peter has been reinstated by Jesus after he's denied him and run away. And Jesus reinstates him and tells him to shepherd the flock and tells him actually also that he's going to give up his life. Tells him that that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be a martyr. And Jesus tells him, you're going to do that. And having told him that, he tells him to follow him. So we pick it up, verse 19, John 21. And after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned round and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. That's John. Verse 21. When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Another antidote to comparing yourselves with others is to follow. And do you know what? Your path that's marked out for you will be different to mine. Jesus basically tells Peter here, mind your own business about John. That's my business about him. That's not your business. You follow me. God has marked out a path for you. And it's no good you comparing your path with somebody else's path. In fact, he says to you, when you do that, mind your business. That's what he says. You mind your business about him or her. You follow me. Your path's going that way. Yeah, I know, God, but I just, you know, when will I ever? Well, you might never, actually, because your path's going this way. But do you know what? It's the path that I've chosen for you. It's the best path for you. It's the path that, if you follow it to the end, will bring you the most fulfillment and the most blessing and will glorify my name the most. So, Mind your business about him or her. You follow me. An antidote to comparison 
is following. Not comparing ourselves with others or with their walk or with their path, but seeking after what his path is for us. And yes, they might converge with other people's for a while, but they also might go in different directions. And the important thing is to stay close to the master and to follow. Follow the master. Don't give in to the curse of comparison. One more. Let's go back to that first passage that we looked at in Luke 18. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Here's the biggest antidote to comparison. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Knowing that you're forgiven. Knowing that you're justified. Knowing that he says, I'm the only one whose opinion really matters here. Do you know that? And I say you're justified. I say you're forgiven. You don't have to compare yourself with anyone. You're not answerable to anyone else. You're only answerable to me and to the authorities that I've put over you. You're not answerable to that person there who seems to be doing so well and you wish you could be like that. You're only answerable to me. And I'm the one who's forgiven you. And I'm the one who says you're completely and utterly justified. Just as if you'd never sinned. Forgiveness is the greatest antidote to comparison to what comparison brings. Wretchedness. Inadequacy. Pride. Better, at least, at least, I know I'm not there, but at least I'm better than that one. You know, that's where most of us sit. I don't think most of us sit where the, the, guy, the, the tall guy, you know, the, the, the upper class guy was. We usually sit in the middle, actually. We look up and we feel inferior about the stuff that I wish I was doing, that he's doing. I wish I could be more like that. I wish I'd achieved that. I wish I had that sort of finance, that sort of house, that sort of car. I wish spiritually I was just a bit further forward. I wish that I was in that type of church. I wish I was on that sort of platform. But at least I'm not like that. At least I'm not like her. We tend to stand in the middle. And Jesus' words here actually are sobering for us because we like to read them more and identify more 
with the tax collector. We like to think, yeah, no, I, I feel that, I know that, I can identify with the tax collector, I'm constantly feeling like the tax collector. But actually, there's a word of warning in this for us as well about when we look down on others. And the antidote to both of those is knowing the forgiveness of God through Christ, through the spilt blood, which means that actually there's only one court that matters and you've been declared righteous in front of that court, the court that has the almighty God sitting on the, th- on the seat of judgment and he's the only one whose judgment really matters because one day all these people that we worry about who are doing so better than us and wonder what they're thinking about us and all of that type of stuff, they will be a puff of smoke and gone. And there will be one judge that we'll stand in front of. And he will say, you're justified. You're forgiven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. If you followed, if you followed the master on the path he set out for you, you have no need to compare yourself with others and how well you're doing or how poorly you're doing. Follow the master. Forget the past. Press on towards the goal. Forget it. Don't let it drag you down. Forget it. Have faith to believe what he said to you about where you should go next, about what he thinks about you. And regularly come back and taste his forgiveness. Do you know we don't do that often enough? We need to return to the gospel of the blood of the Lord Jesus every single day. Because every day I need reminding. It's not that he needs to die again every day for me. He's done that. You are forgiven. But I forget. So easily I forget. And when I forget, I begin to compare myself again and think, well, I'm doing, at least I'm doing better than that. And I, 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 I'd like to do it, but I, and you're constantly in turmoil. And the only real antidote to it is to come back to the cross and to know his blood has covered you again and you are free. Free from condemnation. Forgiveness is the greatest antidote for the curse of comparison. It says this in Hebrews. For by a single offering... He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You're perfect. By one sacrifice, he made you perfect. You're still being sanctified. That means he's still doing stuff in you. You still sin. But in his eyes, you're perfect. Don't allow the curse of comparison to bind you up in knots, to prevent you being productive in the kingdom. 
to keep pulling you back again and again to the guilt and the condemnation. Do away with it. Forget. Have faith in what he said to you. Follow the path that is marked out for you. And come back regularly and kneel at the altar where his blood was shed for you and taste his forgiveness and justification. Those are the antidotes to the curse of comparison. I would like us to pray, and then John, I guess you'll come back up. And I think we might sing something, actually, and I think while that's happening... I'm going to ask you, if you know you've battled with this, that you've battled with comparing yourself and you would like to be free of it because you want him glorified more in your life, then I'm going to ask you just you to come up the front and you can do some dealings with God at the front. Because actually, do you know what? This isn't about self-indulgence. So actually, if you're sitting there and you know that this is something you struggle with, if you feel this sense of inadequacy and you know it's a regular thing in your life and you would like to be free of it, then actually, if you're going to be free of it, it's going to give him more glory. If you want him to have more glory, that's your spiritual act of worship. Do you know that? If you respond to this because you feel him putting his finger lovingly on it in your life. He's doing it so that he can release you to bring more glory to him. This is not self-indulgent. This is about indulging him. He's the one that we should be indulging. So if you know that God's putting a finger on it, and you want to come and say, God, I want to be done with the curse of comparison. I want to forget and press on. I want to have faith for what you've said for me. I want to follow the path that you've marked out. I want to come and taste forgiveness again and justification by the blood. And while we sing, I want you to come forward and ask him. And if you'd like prayer, then we'll do that. And then I guess John might have something as well.
Lord Jesus, that's how we come. We come with an attitude of surrender before you this morning. Knowing that you only have good things for us. Knowing that we're utterly safe when we surrender ourselves to you. We're grateful that we can surrender to the one who is the lover of our souls. You are the lover of our souls. And you would not see our souls tied up and burdened and disabled. You would see the lame made to walk and to run. And so I take authority in the name of Jesus against any powers or principalities, any spirits that are are binding and holding my brothers and sisters here. And in the name of Jesus, I bind you and I cast you out in Jesus' mighty name. Spirit of comparison, get out in Jesus' name. Be gone. Spirit of pride, be gone in Jesus' name. Spirit of inferiority, be gone. Be bound, be gone in Jesus' name. In the mighty, authoritative name of Jesus and by the power of his spilt blood, be gone. And now, Father, I pray for freedom and release for a sense of your affirmation, for a new sense of calling to follow you again, to forget the past, to be free of it. To have faith that comes from hearing, I pray, Father, that we will hear what it is you say to us. Not what you say to another, not what you would have for another, not another's path, but we would hear clearly from you what you say to us, what the Spirit would say to us. We pray, I pray you would give us open ears and malleable hearts and that you would speak faith into us again, our God. Faith that comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. I pray that we might overcome by the power of the Lamb and the testimony of the Word. That we would overcome this. We'll be free of it. And I pray, Father, that when it begins to raise its ugly head again, we would come back to our knees and taste again the justification and the forgiveness that's come through your blood, Lord Jesus. Come do it. Help us to run the race that's marked out for us. To press on towards the goal. To bring more glory to your name than we would otherwise bring. That's what we want. We want your name to be indulged and to be lifted and to be glorified and to be honored. And therefore we come again to the cross And we thank you that we are utterly justified before the only judge who really matters. We are grateful. And Father, I now pray your protection on these dear ones. I pray you would guard them around. I pray you would encourage them. I pray that you will bring them to their knees regularly to taste the wonder of your forgiveness and justification. I pray that for each person in this room, oh God that you would bring us to our knees regularly 
Lord, if we struggle to pray, I pray in Jesus' name that you might break something today. I pray that we will regularly return to our knees to taste the forgiveness and justification that comes through the spilt blood of the Saviour. I pray you'll bring us back to the altar every day to taste it. The antidote to the curse of comparison. I pray you'd bring us to our knees so that we might taste freedom, so that we might bring glory to you. Come do it, I ask, in the mighty, authoritative, wonderful, beyond comparison, name of Jesus the Messiah. Come do it, I ask. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. good week we meet on Tuesday God bless you and if if you'd like to talk or you'd like to have someone who can pray some stuff through with you then as always we're really happy to do that and I'll hang about at the front to do that with you if you'd like God bless you